0: Hi, Mets fans! Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we are coming off of uh, two Mets series where they went uh, two uh, two. Out of, they won two out of three in each one against the Texas Rangers and the Cincinnati Reds, two teams that are not very good, especially with the Reds. And while I think you and I had both hoped for maybe a series sweep somewhere in here, this certainly isn't the worst way to. Uh, to come out of a two game series with teams you should have beat, which is to beat them four of the six times you played them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know that it lines up very well with what we were talking about last week. Um, they'd still have to win three out of four from the Marlins, but they do have the opportunity to make this a seven and three stretch. And that would be just fine. That would be great. Really. Uh, obviously you want to beat up on these teams more, uh, more than they did so far, but it's kind of been the formula for the Mets' success this year, just winning series. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they've lost a couple along the way. Um, But I'd like to consider the four games against the Astros just one series loss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it it, it works. Sure, it was a little frustrating to have Max Scherzer be dominant and the Mets not score a single run against the Reds in the middle game of that series. Um, but in the end, they they still scored 15 runs across three games. And last night's game was dramatic in, in the timing of that scoring, but uh, it happened. They did do it. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, that extra inning last night sort of washed away whatever may have been collectively going on uh, in terms of their offensive struggles of late
0: yeah you know the the frustrating part of all of this is that this week the braves are pe- playing the cardinals who are a pretty good team and so far the braves have won three of four the fourth game is tonight and so the mets lead over the braves is down to i believe its lowest i mean not since opening day, but since pretty damn close to that, two and a half games, and with the Braves coming into town next weekend and them playing the Nationals, sorry next week rather, and the Nationals playing the Braves in between, it seems like this might be pretty tight when the when the Braves come to town. Uh, that's the only thing I could say that really is more than just a circumstantial bummer. You know, yes, the are start, you you want to win the starts that your best pitcher is out there pitching you want to win games that your pitching keeps you in and the <laughs> Reds aren't very good so that that loss stings a little bit but the like I said the bigger issue here is that the Braves have not really cooled off yet I mean they, they they're not on the sort of torrid streak that they were on before but you know they are they are doing quite well still right now they have won 3 straight they took two of three from the Reds over the weekend. And so while the Mets have a two and a half game lead, that seems likely to maybe shrink or stay where it is until after the series with the Braves next next Thursday, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh, but hey, it's something to look forward to, really. I think uh, even if it is tighter than it is right now, um, I don't know. I'm sure a chunk of Mets fans are going to be dreading that series, but we already know that uh, Chris Bassett should be back during the Marlins series and uh, Max Scherzer. We will uh, pitch the Monday game to start the series against the Braves. That is, that is the Mets current plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and absolutely uh, a good idea to, you know, their approach um, get him two more starts before the All-Star game, hell yeah, I got him one against the the Braves. Yes,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Um, The only downside of that plan is I believe the current rotation figures have Trevor Williams pitch the Wednesday game.
1: Possibly, yeah. Um, I mean, they could... They could... Maybe figure out a way to, to
0: avoid that. Um, and again, Trevor Williams has not been well. I, if Bassett terrible. pitches on Friday night,
1: he could be on regular rest for the for the Wednesday
0: afternoon game. Oh, that's true. Okay, so maybe that's the plan then.
1: Yeah, I, I you know we'll see, but, but it, overall, I I'm looking forward to it. Right, it, there's been a lot of. um Reminding people that the Mets are in first place, reminding people that the Mets for a very long time held the best record in the National League. Uh, I believe they're game and a half behind the Dodgers now for that particular title.
0: I believe so, yes.
1: But there's been a lot of hand-wringing over the Braves and all that. And, and my original point was going to be just I expect a chunk of Mets fans to go into that series in Atlanta expecting doom and gloom and giving up uh, the division lead and all that. But I look forward to it. Uh, Those are the types of games that you, uh, I don't know, that you really get excited for in a regular season. And it's an opportunity to go in there and either preserve or uh, extend uh, the division lead, which hopefully they still have come Monday morning. and that's that's fun. These teams have not played each other much. I think they have 15 games left against each other.
0: It's something like that. It's something crazy like that. Yes. The rest
1: of the way. Yeah. There's this series. There's the five game series. Uh, the first weekend of August. The Mets are back in Atlanta. Later that month, um, and then uh, that. I'll say this: if the Mets could maybe do us a favor, and wrap up the division before the very late in the season, three games in Atlanta, that would be nice.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) That's the only one that I look at. I'm like, I don't know if I could be optimistic going into that one.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's just I, I, I am, I am perhaps slightly less optimistic about this week coming up than you are only because it seems to me like, yes, the Mets had a big inning last night, but I'm just worried about the general offensive production of this team as it currently stands because there's just some some craziness with with how few like I don't understand I guess the JD Davis of it all <laughs> like JD has just been so rough to watch in the in the batter's box right now and we all know that he's not really a he doesn't really have a natural position on the field. And so trotting JD out there has just been really, really tough to watch over the last few days. And well, I know you can't put all the teams hitting failures on Davis, it seems like the person who you have as the DH should in in some way be one of your more consistent hitters because that's all they have to worry about. And so I I, I am worried about the offense for the Mets more than I am the pitching right now, even though the bullpen clearly has something going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I think DH is something they'll have to figure out unless Davis or Dom Smith uh, gets really in a groove over the next few weeks. Uh, And they both do have some history of hitting well. Uh, whether or not that was totally dependent on the baseball itself at the time. (laughs) Right. But I don't know. I mean, sometimes guys will just get better or just get worse, and there's no real explanation for it. That is a thing that happens in baseball. But um, the overall lineup, I'm I'm still not too worried. Uh, I I think the, the, the sort of like the six... Guys who make up uh, usually the first six spots in the batting order, uh, Alonzo McNeil, Nemo Marte, Canna, and Lindor. Uh, That's in WRC Plus order, not the batting order. But (laughs) that that group, um, just a really solid group of major league hitters. And I think there's only so long you can go before collectively – if they haven't going, and and if the Mets add someone, or if the Mets can figure out DH, um, that's that's going to be a tough lineup to face. And um, without going too far into the minor league side of things, who knows? Maybe it is Francisco Alvarez who who gets that shot later in the season, even though having seen him a couple times and not being a scout, but just having seen him play. Uh, I, I do not think we should talk about him like he can't catch because he can. Um, but if that initial path into getting some major league at bats is in the DH spot, it, it would sure be fun to watch. Uh, you know, right. He's 20 years old. You don't want to count on him and say, this is, this is our only plan. But just adding that little bit of extra power um but the mets it, it's funny like they overall the, all these guys and luis Guillorme, to you know to his credit he he's in there with those other six they're all like well above league average as hitters um but aside from alonzo and lindor uh nobody else is in double digit home runs yet starley Marte is 9 so he's almost there but uh just one more really threatening bat would be nice. And, and look, crazier things have happened in, in baseball. It could be Davis that figures that out and turns right. into somebody who, who gives you another power option in the lineup. But but yeah, I, I, I will say that their, their production over the last couple of weeks is probably uh, a bit lower than I had maybe realized. But at the same time I, I i don't know i'm i'm okay with that group and i think it should be possible whether via be a trade or the miners or both to uh give a little bit of a jump start to uh to, to the designated hitter
0: yeah I, I, alvarez is a really interesting option there because i would think that you know, it, it, it's a it's a double edged sword, right? On one hand, you want to give him as many catching reps in the minors as possible to see if him as a catcher is something that needs to either be worked on or sort of go away. We have we have to get as much evidence as possible to put that into action, right? With that plan of action to say, okay, if he's a catcher, he's a DH, whatever his plan is, let's get that going. On the other hand, I would think that catching in the minors is not all that different from catching in the majors in terms of the sort of mechanics of of it and the skill level you're catching it makes a catcher's job easier if a pitcher can hit his target with more ease so i don't think that necessarily he's going to get i don't think there's going to be a big talent jump from catching in the minors to catching in the majors in terms of what is being delivered to him as the catcher. But from a hitting standpoint, it is a world of difference hitting against major leaguers versus hitting against double A, which is the majority of where he's played so far. So I think if you want to test him, testing him at the major league level, you can work him in as a as a a pinch hitter, as a DH a couple days a week. That will give you a better sense of his hitting than, it will, than you'd get from keeping him in the minors. And it seems like nobody is really worried about his hitting in the minors either.
1: Yeah, no, no. And uh, I do think, again, just just my opinion, but I think he'll be totally fine as a catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way I was describing it the other day, I think it was just there's no red flags in the defensive game for me. OK, so I don't know. I have to sneeze, so I'm going to mute my microphone for a second. OK, <laughs> uh,
0: while Chris is sneezing, I will also remind everybody that I think the, us talking about Alvarez coming up is is a bit of a, uh, a positive thing for the for Mets fans. I, You know, it was one of those uh, situations where uh, I don't believe we had ever really I don't think most people thought this would be the year that Alvarez would be called up. I thought everybody thought maybe next season would be that year. So he's performing well enough for us to be having this conversation, which is ultimately a good thing. Uh, Chris, have you sneezed yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm unmuted. And, yeah, it it would be a luxury to potentially get to watch that. And, uh, obviously, what he's done at the plate has been really, really good. Uh, I do think if people have read about him, they've probably read it, already but uh it's just power to all fields fairly easy power in in my opinion uh, there is one component to his offensive game where every once in a while he'll swing at like a 55 foot pitch um huh. it's it's a little weird because he seems to have a pretty good eye overall you know uh, you look at his, his on base percentages but a good amount above his uh His batting average in the minors, Um, he doesn't look like a guy who's swinging at everything that's out of the strike zone or or swinging at just everything overall. But uh, seeing that happen a couple times, I know other people who have watched him even more have also seen it happen. Um, I did have a a slight theory on that. Uh, In my experience, he did it late in games in Binghamton. And minor league ballpark lighting is not major league ballpark lighting. Right. Uh, So I don't know uh, the the, you know, I don't want to make a definite conclusion out of just a, you know, small number of games, but maybe there's just something to that harder time picking up pitches once it's really dark out um, or differentiating that pitch that's not making it to the plate. And uh, sort of ironically, I don't know too many major league pitchers who will be like, "Oh, hey, I hear this kid will swing at balls in the dirt, and then throw balls in the dirt on purpose."
0: <laughs> Fair.
1: So, to, to your same point, that okay, the quality of pitching goes up, but you probably don't get any as nearly as many uh, fifty-five to fifty-nine foot bounced pitches in the majors as you do in Double A.
0: Yeah, and also late in games, you know, he may just also be feeling. Tired. Or, or right. tired or there's there's lots of things that i think late i think that's actually an interesting data point to discuss because i think there are a lot of potential reasons why that could be the case okay round two name something that's not boring
1: a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On the sort of promotion of a minor leaguer train, uh, our friend Lucas Vlahos, who writes for Mason Avenue, is promo- is saying that we should promote uh, Travis Blankenhorn right now <laughs> to be the DJ. Yeah, I mean,
1: the, the dude's been on fire, <laughs> and <laughs> Lucas might be right. Like, uh, it, it's not like power wasn't in his game before. Right. Um, given what they've gotten out of the so far this year and the fact that probably nobody's going to trade anybody over the next couple of weeks. So you get the occasional early July trade, but, uh, with the new playoff format, I have a feeling it's really going to come down to the deadline where, um,
0: just picking over the bones of the uh, damned essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it, those teams can kind of hold out on the contenders a little bit more, I think, because there are more of them. Um, with the expanded playoff format, but, but yeah, you, you look at Blankenhorn and and sure. Why the hell not? Uh, even, even last year granted his overall line in a very small number of played appearance for, appearances for the Mets, uh, the overall line was not good, but there there's a little power there. Um, so why not try to tap into it? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it seems so you can to me get like something out
1: of that hot streak, you, you know?
0: Yeah, it, I don't really see the harm in that at this point. What's I, mean, I, I guess, I guess part of the harm would would be that there really isn't a logical guy to send down right now, I suppose. Um, maybe you can send down Ender Enciarte.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he has options. That's, that's my also. That's... Like, yeah, who cares? You know yeah exactly I mean I, you know <laughs>
0: it'll be nice to keep him in the system um but if you don't that's that's not the end of the world um we know Dom Smith can be sent down again if need be and while Dom hasn't looked you know ghastly he certainly hasn't done anything with uh anything to say like oh no you can't demote Dominic Smith right now
1: right yeah I know that's Absolutely true. Uh, And again, he's such a likable player, but at a certain point, it's that you got to hit to keep that roster spot, especially when they have a first baseman in Pete Alonso. And I don't even think there's that big of a difference defensively between the two of them. Uh, And and at one point, that was thought to be the case. Right. And not so much now. So. Inciarte could go. Dom could go. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else on the hitting side.
0: Um. What's going to compound this is that when Bassett comes back, they're going to have to send a reliever down. And like because Trevor Williams is out of options. So he's likely going to be on the roster the entire season. At least I would think he would be. So they're going to be uh, so Williams will slot into that reliever role when Bassett comes up so they're gonna have to send down a reliever so you really we're getting to a point here where roster crunch is going to become a a bigger issue especially when DeGrom is on his way back and when McGill is on his way back
1: right yeah um Adonis Medina definitely did everything he could last night to keep himself on this roster
0: oh absolutely yes
1: um he may still be the roster casualty but um you know they could send Colin Holderman down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd imagine everybody else in the bullpen is pretty safe. Hunter, Rodriguez, Smith, and then obviously Ottavino, Lugo, Diaz. Um, you know, Lugo does have options remaining, but he hasn't been that bad.
0: No, but Lugo. I mean, I, I I think that we are we are nearing a nexus point with Seth Lugo because it seems like every time they bring him back two days in a row or they have you know get back to back games you just completely can't handle it yeah yeah and,
1: and uh, you know in fairness to him um i think we've all kind of known that for a long time so it's it's a tough thing to put him in that spot but
0: sure sure
1: but yeah they don't have they don't have the guys to uh really i don't know Put logo logo Lugo in a spot where he's he's pitching the way uh, that he should be used, which is probably slightly lower level leverage, maybe two innings, uh, middle innings, or at this point, lower in the batting order type opponents, and then right. uh, getting a day rest, a day's rest, or two days rest, and and all that. And I understand that they just don't have that flexibility right now. Um, But, yeah. And I won't lose sleep over which reliever they send down, but it's just – maybe it's just recency bias, but um, seeing Medina do what he did last night in Cincinnati and and really, uh, in the end, the fact that they scored so many runs ended up kind of being the big story of the game after they had struggled to do so. Um, But without him, there's no way – they, uh, they get that opportunity to score those runs.
0: Right. No, absolutely not. Um, any other notes of note or news of note we had to discuss before uh, we get to our music picks?
1: Um, I don't think so. I, I think it was interesting during the broadcast last night on the uh, Guillerme front, they, you know, they noticed that he was wearing one batting glove and sort of looking at his, uh, his left hand, which is glove hand, his top hand on the bat um something to keep an eye on uh, you know I, I he has hit a little bit worse over the last couple of weeks uh, is there something going on there uh, i'm going to guess that it's nothing that keeps him out of any games or anything um and maybe it's just one of those things that hey get to the all-star break have a few days off and whether it's a blister or a bruise or, or whatever um gives a little time to heal and reset for the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, I I think that's probably uh, correct. But Guillaume also seems like a guy to me who would want to play through almost anything. So hopefully he is not making it worse by playing through it instead of taking a couple of days off or even hitting the IL for a short stint. Yeah, but yeah,
1: well, let's hope that's the case. I mean, he has remained just an absolute treat to watch. In the field um, oh, absolutely you know even even last night before they tied the game up and got to extra innings and won it they they turned to double play that was really nice uh that it that started with him and just that that combo of him and Lindor, man it's uh it's a real treat to get to watch it's fun on tv but it makes you really want to get to games in person because i do feel like that up the middle defense is even better uh in real life
0: oh yeah yeah um yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, what is your uh, music pick for this week? So I am going to
1: dip back into the Wilco well. And having heard the album on the, the day it was released, uh, as you did, uh, and, you know, our, our wives, uh, Amazing Avenue alum, Brock, and his wife, uh, you know, we all got to hear. will go play. Uh, do
0: not do not forget our new friend from Solid Sound as well.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Uh, Rob, correct, correct. Yes, and
1: dedicated listener Rob, and maybe some others of you out there who were at Solid Sound and and we didn't get a chance to say hello. But
0: if so, shame on us and shame on you. We should we should have made that happen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they put out a record uh, on the first day of the festival on the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, cruel Country, and the, the artwork and certainly the promotion of it are, are like, oh, Wilco will Ghost Country, uh, which is kind of funny because there's always been a little bit of a sort of a country uh, foundation. Absolutely, to, yeah. To what they've done. Um, and to be clear, like good country foundation to what they've done. <laughs> um, it, I don't know. I don't, there's probably not any other genre that the – popular version of it over the last 20 years is so incredibly different from sort of what I would think of as, as the same genre. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it's not it, from start to finish, it's not too countryish of a record. Uh, but Jeff Tweedy made comments during Solid Sound, you know, during playing it about um, sort of this being their take on that genre right now. So, uh, the the first listen, you know, before the festival, like any new record, it, it's always a um, sort of feeling out experience, and and I liked it, and I I really enjoyed it live, and now I've listened to it since then, and I feel like that's sort of a normal progression for me with any new Wilco record uh, is that I land on, hey, I, I think I really like this at a certain point in time um so it it's it's definitely on the calmer side i am still rooting for a just a like heavier uh electric guitar sort of uh almost like a electric guitar freak out record because nels klein and jeff twitty are both so good at doing that and and soloing and um and even pat you know is is right up there so yeah anyway a lot of the songs on this are even better live i've always felt that way about many wilco songs um and yeah but you can't you can't go wrong with it uh definitely uh has grown on me a lot and and just grateful to have another good wilco record to listen to so yeah you know yeah. i think at some point i can challenge myself to see if i could recommend king gizzard and wilco records back to back and see how long i can go before another band makes it in but <laughs> <laughs> um
0: i i i will echo your thoughts on that my my initial reaction to the first couple of singles was a bit muted um in terms of wilco you know enthusiasm but i also didn't love the a couple of the ode to joy singles and i will say that i had I think Schmilko was my least favorite Wilco record, so it had been a while since I felt like super enthused going into a Wilco record. I I've, I, I like Schmilka and I actually really like Ode to Joy, but I, I didn't think that the singles did a great job of representing sort of what that record was. Um, but there's a couple of songs on uh, Cruel Country, especially a couple of the ones that get a little bit more experimental that are really, really fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I echo that uh, my choice is as much of a 180 from that as maybe humanly possible, which is uh, <laughs> there is a uh, <laughs> a comedian after named John Daly. He is known for being uh, the guy on, on Kroll Show with Nick Kroll and his his sort of only musical thing up until this point was a couple of years ago he released uh, a, a song a fake Red Hot Chili Pepper song called Abracadabra California or "Abracadabra," California, whatever it was. And it's like the most convincing fake chili pepper song you've ever heard. And it's fantastic. But he released an album called Ding Dong Delicious last month. That is a, a straight up comedy record. And uh, there's a couple of songs on there that like I had to pause listening to it. I was laughing so hard. I was afraid I was going to miss the lyrics of them. Um, I the The My favorite one, I'm not going to say the name of because it is uh, it's something you kind of have to experience yourself uh, to to enjoy it. But look, I am I am somebody who I have uh, a soft spot in my heart for comedy records, but I recognize that is not for everyone. And it is not for me all the time. It is something that every now and then I will I will put on because it is it's a fun sort of, you know, thing to do. But I, I am I, I am not necessarily somebody who is, you know, every week gemming out to uh, a, a comedy record, especially a comedy music record. Like, I think it's very, there's a very big difference between doing like, uh, you know, what Steve Martin would do on a comedy record versus doing like what Weird Al does on a comedy record. And that is not me judging what either of those people do. It is just one of them to me is a little bit more palpable on like a, I guess a cheesiness level, sometimes comedy music can be really, really cheesy. And, uh, you know, there. And again, like most comedy records, there are some clunkers on this uh, album. But for the most part, it is a really, really funny, funny record. Um, And uh, yeah, so my rec is uh, Ding Dong Delicious by John Daly.
1: Nice. Yeah, I will. I will say that one of my favorite music videos of all time was uh, Weird Al's video for foil which was yeah, uh yes the first time I saw it man huh oh, I, I I was just dying but but yeah I, I hear you on
0: and I love Weird Al. This is right. I am somebody I've seen Weird Al in concert two different right. times and I am this is not me hating on Weird Owl. I'm just saying no. that, you know it's it's a different type of listening experience. Yeah 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 no for sure. Um anyway thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Uh Listen, listening to this type of listening experience, which is different than both comedy albums and comedy music as well. Um, but go to amazing We are in the middle of a big streak of Mets games, of days without a Mets get off day, which is a fantastic thing. So that means there's lots to read at amazing Please go to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and follow Amazing Avenue. Also go to your podcatcher of choice, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., and rate, review and subscribe to this show. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris McChain. I am on Twitter at BrianIntonApp. And until next time, let's go Mets.